We're going to have a great time tonight. I hope that you're all looking forward to it. Good evening. So just some words to set our worship tonight in context. So Jesus Christ, whom we worship, is our crucified, risen and ascended Lord. And we've walked with him through his journey of love. We face the agony of his suffering and his death on a cross. We've rejoiced at his bursting free from the bonds of death. We've enjoyed his risen presence with us and his revelation of himself through the breaking of bread. We've seen his return to the throne before which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And now, with the followers of his own time, we await the coming of the promised Holy Spirit, his gift to his people, through whom we make Christ known to the world. And so some words that we can say together. So as we wait in silence, fill us with your spirit. As we listen to your word, fill us with your spirit. As we worship you in majesty, fill us with your spirit. As we long for your refreshing, fill us with your spirit. As we long for your renewing, fill us with your spirit. As we long for your equipping, fill us with your spirit. As we long for your empowering, fill us with your spirit. The reading is from Acts chapter 2, starting at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. I don't know whether um, any of you like roller coasters. No? I used to love roller coasters when I was younger. I hated the spinny round rides, but the roller coasters, really good fun. Especially the corkscrew and things like that. Ever been on? Okay, good. Um, But I haven't been on roller coaster for years and years and years, because somehow you don't, do you? Like, you get to that age when actually going on it on your own is a bit embarrassing and your kids are too young to go on it if you've got kids so you don't do it but then last year we went to Legoland and um, 
James said to me, oh, mommy, I really want to go on the roller coaster. And I found myself thinking, actually, I don't really want to go on it. So I was like, oh, your father will go on that with you. And Simon's like, I don't do roller coasters. I only do the spinny roundy things, which used to work really well for us. But So I was like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, I'll go on it. Really looking forward to it. Yay! And I'm like, oh, I might be sick. What if I'm sick? That would be really embarrassing, wouldn't it? So uh, we're queuing for this roller coaster. And it's really not very big. I don't know whether you've been to Legoland. There's only one big roller coaster, and it's tiny. But as we queue in, James is so excited, and I'm so scared, and I'm thinking, I really might be ill. Um, but then I was a bit excited as well, because you've got that mixture, haven't you? That, that fear and that excitement. Anyway, we went on it. I really, really, really screamed <laughs> a lot. And I realised that actually, you know when you're younger and your stomach stays up in the air, it's okay. When you're older, it's a really bad sensation. And you really are thinking, my stomach is still up there. And I do feel quite sick. But, you know, I had that mixture of emotion, that emotion of um, being excited, but being really fearful of something. A mixture of emotion that it's really hard to understand. And I imagine it might have been the same kind of emotions that the disciples had on the day of Pentecost. Because as they gathered together on the 15th day after the Pentecost meal that they'd shared with Jesus, they were gathered together waiting. They were waiting for something to happen. And it was as they were gathered together waiting with anticipation, excitement and probably a little bit of fear that suddenly and seemingly without any warning at all, things did start to happen. Firstly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and sweeping through the space where they were gathered filled the whole house where they were sitting. It took them, I imagine, totally by surprise. And it threw them into excitement, confusion, fear, wonder, what was going on. And then as if that wasn't enough, as they looked around at one another, horrified, excited, sensing the adventure, they saw something else. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Lighting up the room, bathing them in warmth, and at that moment filling them with the promised Holy Spirit. So that when they finally opened their mouths to scream or to cheer or to chatter or to throw up or whatever it was they were going to do, they found that instead they began to speak in other tongues. They found that they were speaking in different languages. They found that God had arrived in a new and an exciting way. And what's more, they found that this little adventure that was going on all around them didn't stop there because it seemed that the amazing things that were taking place in this room weren't confined just to them, just to this small gathering. It wasn't like going on a little roller coaster on your own with your son or your friend. Instead, it was to be an adventure that affected every Jew in Jerusalem. They were all invited to join in. It was an experience that everyone was going to have. Because when people started to realise what was happening, when they heard the commotion, when they saw what was going on, a crowd came together in bewilderment, utterly amazed. In fact, the Bible says, amazed and perplexed, wondering what on earth is going on with this group of people. And you know, I guess this isn't really unusual, is it, if we think about it? Because... In a sense, that's what this passage does. 
both back in the day, throughout history, and also today as well. That's what this passage does. It makes people look, and it makes people wonder, and it makes people think, what on earth is going on? When the Holy Spirit of God came down onto his people at Pentecost, what on earth is going on? Fire, wind, filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. What is this really all about? And more to the point, is this what always happens when the Holy Spirit arrives? Is this something which happens today? Is this what God wants for every single one of his people? Because, you know, this is one of those passages which raises a lot of questions, which either makes us feel really excited about the Holy Spirit and what might happen, or totally fearful about what God might do to us at any moment. It's one of those passages which creates both excitement and fear, just like the disciples experienced on that day. But you see, the thing about this passage, although, yes, this is an amazingly special event, it is exciting and it is fearful. In one sense, it's actually nothing new. I mean, this phenomenon that happened here is actually fairly normal for God. In a sense, it should not surprise us at all. Because there are many times in the Bible when God arrives and there's unusual phenomenon that happen around that arrival. There are many times when God appears accompanied by wind and fire. Take the burning bush or the pillar of cloud and fire or the arrival of the Ten Commandments as just a few examples. In the Bible, these phenomena are often signs to show that God has arrived. They're not unusual, not at all in the story of God and his people. They may be scary, they may be exciting, but they're certainly not unusual. What is unusual, however, and perhaps what really should bring excitement and a little bit of fear when we think of Pentecost, is not the phenomenon, not the wind, not the flames, but the amazing intimacy of God, the amazing intimacy of Almighty God with each individual that gathered in Jerusalem. Because you see, when the Holy Spirit arrived at Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came into the lives of his people, it wasn't the phenomenon that attracted the Jews as they gathered and wondered what on earth was going on. It wasn't the wind and it wasn't the flames and it wasn't the filling with the Holy Spirit that drew people to the disciples. It was the intimacy. It was the fact that this group of people, these Galileans, these uneducated men were standing in the middle of Jerusalem, bold as you like, speaking to each Jew throughout the whole Jewish world and speaking to them in their own dialect so they could all understand. They weren't speaking to them in the Greek language, which was the popular language of the day. They weren't speaking to them in a few dialects that would have been well-known and understood by most people. They were speaking to them in their own personal Dialect, so that all could hear and all could understand that God was there. You see, at Pentecost, God didn't send his Holy Spirit as an unknown force to sweep through his church and bring a spiritual phenomenon, the likes of which no one had ever seen before. He sent his Holy Spirit to enable each person to meet with him, to understand him and to have an intimate relationship with him. He came to speak to people personally. 
That's what drew the crowds. That's what caused bewilderment. That's what brought amazement. That's what made some people make fun of the disciples saying they've had too much wine. It was not the power of the phenomenon. It was the intimacy of God in the lives of the disciples that was on display for all to see. You know, quite a few years ago, I realised when I was writing this, it was quite a few years ago, that the Toronto Blessing took place. I don't know whether people remember that or were part of that. It was the 1990s, began in 1994, who knew that, at the Toronto Airport Vineyard Church, and then spread to different countries, came over here um, later that year and carried on for a couple of years. And if you didn't know the Toronto Blessing, it was marked by... Signs by phenomenon that happened in people's lives. There was a lot of laughing, uncontrollable laughter that people experienced when they met with the Holy Spirit. There was also things like barking, woof, like woof woofing, people woofing. There was quite a lot of mooing as well. There were animal noises that people made. I don't know whether anyone remembers this. Everyone's looking at me very confused. Yes, some people do remember this. (laughs) There was a lot of things that happened that some people thought was just barking mad and other people thought was bizarre. Some people were scared of it. Some people thought it was wonderful. But it caused a lot of controversy because there was this phenomenon of the Holy Spirit. And it caused a lot of things to happen. And you could just think it was the power of God sweeping through the church in an impersonal way, but it caused a lot of things. But one meeting my friend went to, he went with his friend, and they were standing there and they were a little bit sceptical about all this that was going on. They weren't into the clucking and the mooing and the whatever other noises were taking place. And so they went together and they said, oh, well, we'll see. And as my friend was standing there, suddenly his friend collapsed on the floor and started to laugh, doubled over with laughter, couldn't stop. (coughs) My friend was like, oh, he's doing it now. And he just sort of stayed there. And then he left him, thought, there's no point. He's going to be laughing all evening. I'm just going to go. At the end, he went up to him and he said, "Um, when he calmed down, he said, I don't mean to be you know, invade what was going on with you and God, but could you tell me why you were laughing? Because, you know, there's all these people doing all sorts of things. Was it just that you felt you couldn't stop laughing? And he said, well, no, not at all. He said, I was worshipping, and I had this picture of Jesus and I walking together, and we were talking together, like best friends, and we were walking by a lake, and it was really beautiful, and it was just a wonderful experience. And then suddenly... Jesus turned to me and he pushed me into the lake. And when I came up out of the water, Jesus was standing there laughing at what he'd done. And he said, so I started laughing because it was a funny thing. And I just couldn't stop laughing. And my friend said, oh, well, that makes sense then now, why you were laughing. It was a funny experience you had with God. Do you see what seemed to some from the outside to be just a phenomenon of God that was not understandable actually turned out for that person to be a real personal experience, a moment with God that he won't forget of laughter. Which reminds me of what Tom Smale, a Scottish theologian, once said, that the Holy Spirit is God at his closest to us. The Holy Spirit is the intimacy of God in our lives. And you know, today, in a world where phenomenon is high on the agenda and the personal is often pushed aside, where things have to be bigger and better, where communication has been improved because it's done electronically, where people crave intimacy but they don't really know how to get it, 
In a world where things are ever less personal and ever more technical, this intimacy with God is so important. Because God didn't send his Holy Spirit to sweep through the world making big statements with huge phenomena. He sent his Holy Spirit to take up residence in our lives. The book of Romans says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Or in other words, when, when we know God, we don't know him as someone who comes to force his way in our lives or demands certain things. He's not an impersonal force which makes us do things. Instead, he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to cry out, Abba, Father, because he's a God who wants to guide us and lead us and encourage us. He's a God who wants to be intimate with us. So he's placed his Holy Spirit in our lives. And you know, this is exciting. This is really exciting. Because although we are feeble, although we are weak, although we're created beings, we've been adopted into the life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's exciting. But if we really think about it, it's also a little bit frightening as well. Because if the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, has taken up residence in our lives, if the Holy Spirit of God is really living within us, then people will notice, just like they do with the disciples. They will notice by the way we speak. They'll notice by the things we do. They'll notice by how we treat ourselves and others. People will notice. And they will see that God exists, whether they respond positively or negatively. Because our God is an intimate God. Of that we can have no doubt. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit for all people. So this Pentecost, let us seek to be a people who follow in the footsteps of the disciples. Let us seek to be those who declare the wonders of God by living out an intimate relationship with him for all to see. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for us to be prayed for so that we can live in the presence of God with his Holy Spirit. But I'd like to invite Linda up first. Kate reminded me of some words that we used at our service at All Saints this morning. Um, As I spoke, we reflected on some words that have been part of the Thy Kingdom Come resources, those prayers that have been between Ascension and Pentecost. And some of us have been reading morning prayer in the morning. And one of the first prayers each morning has been this. Blessed are you, Creator God. To you be praise and glory forever. As your spirit moved over the face of the waters bringing light and life to your creation. Pour out your spirit on us today that we may walk as children of light and by your grace reveal your presence. I think that's a wonderful prayer because as children of light, that's each of us personally and that personal invitation as each of us, as God's individual child, that personal relationship, but also corporately as children as the body of Christ, 
wherever we worship, whether it will be uh, in Cottenham or in one of the Cambridge churches, what we have in common, what we share together as brothers and sisters tonight is that each of us is called to be a child of God. And I think that's really special. So we have an opportunity to respond um, and there will be some prayer and anointing um, by the other piano. That is a piano, isn't it? Um, for sort of personal renewal and anointing. So if you wish to respond to some of the words that Kate said about wanting Jesus to be your personal saviour and to call God Abba, Father, that closeness, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then as the songs play, um, as the band plays, then just make your way over um, to Kate and I and uh, we will anoint you. It's nothing scary, nothing to be afraid of. Um, don't think anything um, particularly amazing is going to happen, but you never know. Uh, let's be open to what the Holy Spirit has for each and every one of us. So there are some words that will come up on the screen and then there is some oil that uh, we can bless. So if you say the words in bold. Be with us, Spirit of God. Nothing can separate us from your love. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with your saving power. Speak in us, wisdom of God. Bring strength, healing and peace. And the oil is in this uh, little, uh, little pot. So blessed are you, sovereign God and eternal Father. Daily your spirit renews the face of the earth, bringing strength out of weakness, hope out of despair and life out of death. By the power of your spirit, may your blessing rest upon those anointed with this oil in your name. Let it be for them a sign of your acceptance and adoption, your equipping and empowering. Form in them the likeness of Christ, that they may be witnesses of your astonishing love and fill them afresh with life in all its fullness. Blessed be God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Blessed be God forever. So if you wish to be prayed for and prayer to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and to receive life in all its fullness, then just make your way over to the corner during the, the next few songs. <laughs> 